Welcome to the Four Bridges Podcast presented by Zealous, where we interview music industry professionals, tell you about upcoming local artists, and connect music lovers from all four corners of the Bay Area. I'm your host, Elijah Collins. I'm a content creator for musicians in San Francisco and the creative mind behind Zealous. This is the Four Bridges Podcast. The Bay Area is known for its rich and diverse communities, and nowhere is that exemplified more than in San Francisco. From Chinatown to the Outer Mission, each neighborhood and district is unique. How do we bring people together through events or gatherings, make them feel like they belong? And how do we keep them coming back for more? From our guest today, the answer is simple, through art and music. We sit down with Lamont Young, Maddie Lopes, and Norris Kionko as they explain how they build, connect, and sustain Bay Area communities through music. Lamont, would you like to take it away? Absolutely. Fingerstamps Media Arts in the heart and soul of the Mission District is a DJ school, and our focus is to teach individuals the art and skill of DJing. Norris is a student of Fingerstamps. A part-time student, I guess. I'm off-season right now. Uh, So my name is Norris. Um, I guess how I was invited here, I throw uh, an amazing party called Susia AF. It takes place at El Rio uh, every third Saturday. It's actually right now on vacation because I'm going to Burning Man, on Saturday, and I'm actually going to throw it over there. So I'm super excited, and thanks so much for inviting me. My name is Maddie. Uh, I run um, the Living Room Sessions out of Oakland, um, and I am on track to start my first radio show. Um, and I've just been a producer and like music curator out of Oakland. Um, so this episode is about community and I brought all you guys here today to really focus our conversation around building a community, organizing, and just, uh, how each of you are utilizing your communities to, um, affect change within our, within the Bay area culture. Norris, you said that you, you know, you're working on Susia, Maddie, you're working on the living room, uh, uh, sessions. Lamont, you've, you've been around for, you know, for 40 plus years as a DJ. You're currently starting this school and it's, and it's an amazing space. And I encourage everyone to come down and visit this space because it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's very open. And so just to start off, uh, Lamont, if I could just start with you because you, you know, you have the most experience here. Um, you know, why did you get into organizing and, why did you start organizing your own shows uh, when you first started DJing? Well, it's the idea of just having an influence over an art form that that uh, I believed in. It all starts with a vision. It all starts with, with a vision. When I started as a DJ back in the eighties, you know, I'm influenced. I was influenced by the music that I heard at that particular time, and influenced by the events that I went to. But then it comes to a point in time where, because of all the things that I've learned and the experiences that I've had, it's a culmination of wanting to put my imprint and my influences and my thoughts and my way of seeing things um, under one situation. So Fingersnaps Media Arts started, the concept started about 20 years ago when I was really just contemplating is life about just going to work nine to five and have two days off on the weekend and you pay bills and buy stuff? Is that it? Is that what our life is about? That's really the questions I was asking myself. Do we just wait till we retire to somewhat be free? And I didn't like that scenario. I didn't like that, that future for myself. So I started to 
invest in myself. I started to forge my own way and who the person I wanted to be and how I wanted to live and to define my own quality of life because I just didn't fit in or I just didn't like the the typical standard of our American living, which is, again, to work nine to five. Regardless of what job I have, regardless of how many degrees, that's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. I have degrees and I've worked in corporate America and it still wasn't enough to fulfill my soul, to fulfill my spirit, to fulfill, fulfill my imagination. And so I started this concept. So when we were talking off mic about the idea of where do you start, sometimes we, when we think about starting things, it's not always these huge revelations and earth-shattering thoughts. It was just the idea of, I'm going to say this to someone. I'm going to write my thoughts down based on exactly what I want to see for myself. I'm going to apply for a business license. I am going to open up a banking account, a DBA that represents my business. I'm going to apply for a business credit card. All that is ways of of distinguishing and separating my personal life to saying this is actually going to be an entity, a dream, an idea, a business. So it started from... Again, just wanting more out of my life and, and not more as a material things or how we define success. It was just more of just how I want to use my time to connect with the world. And since uh, Norris and Maddie, you guys are kind of newer to the music scene here in the Bay Area, why did you guys start organizing uh, for yourselves? You know, when you're you're younger, I don't know if you guys had these experiences when a uh, you had all your friends in these like shitty punk bands or um, you know like all your friends like in trying to like play music and everyone's like trying to like do it big and um and you you want to like support that and and so basically I when I was in high school in like a small town of uh, Modesto California um I I started throwing house shows in my house um I don't know how excited my parents were about it, and, but <laughs> to have these like kids like trying to like play rock and roll in the uh, it was called the dojo. We had this like empty room. Um, anyways, I won't go too far into that, but that's kind of like how it started. Um, there was like a music series event um, in my hometown that um, brought some like really cool um, artists uh, to a cafe in Modesto. Um, it was called Off the Air, and um, he's since. That was Greg Edwards, and he's since relocated to the Bay Area. But um, he was a big influence on me, um, bringing uh, music from, like, all over the nation, kind of. Um, these, like, really amazing artists. And mostly local, though. It was, like, all mostly local artists that were doing really amazing things and really big things. And um, I don't know. So that was really inspiring to me that someone would bring all this local music to our small town that didn't have a lot going on in it. And um, then I just started doing that myself within um the confines of my house as a tiny child and uh and then i um decided to um you know i was like wow i'm really good at this <laughs> like i was i was really good at um throwing these shows so i kept doing it and i've brought it ever since back to um to to oakland with me to oakland and um yeah i've been i've just been like all my favorite musicians local 
um, everyone just got really good at music and like I met more musicians and like all these people, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so amazing. I want you to play at my house, like come play at my house. And, uh, and it just started from there. And, um, I have been doing that for a while. I started collaborating, um, last October with the Bad Seed in Oakland, um, which is this like DIY, uh, kind of like warehouse show, um, collective and it was so cool and we brought like really big bands in and it was always like a really fun giant party and it was just different um it house shows are always different they're a little bit more special in yeah, a way I was gonna ask like you know you know why specifically house house shows all the time mm-hmm. but yeah good. yeah yeah so house shows are um i feel like in the scheme, grand scheme of things like they are more accessible for people. Um, we can, um, you know, bring in any kind of artist. They don't have to be like a specific like genre or anything. Um, it's just a lot more flexible. Um, and it just really like people love to like come together for like these shows and, and get weird. And we have like, (laughs) we just have more freedom. There's, there would be people, um, we could have like art all over the walls and um, we could charge however much or little we wanted to. Um, so that was really fun. And um, yeah, I don't know. Ever since it's just been like getting bigger and bigger. And I started like doing the living room sessions and I've just been craving the like magic that I would find at um, at festivals uh, where or like intimate shows. Um, and I'd want them to come and play in my living room. And so that's when the living room <laughs> session started. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, there's this like specific, um, festival called La Sierra Hoedown. Um, it happens in Johnsville at this historic, um, ski lodge. And there was this, um, this late night set in this lodge and it had, um, a fireplace and I had a bunch of people like sitting in there, sitting down and like it's in this tiny lodge and they were sitting down and sitting up close to the artist. And it was so magical. And there was pe- people with their guitars and like, it was just, there was like a magic in the air that I, I just craved so much. And I'm like, wow, I want this to happen all the time. And so, um, that's what kind of the living room session has been like a jumping off point from just wanting to get people to sit down and get close and Close and intimate. And intimate and just like have a good time together and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It could just be like a little like, it's like your friends. We're all friends. We're all in a living room. We're all just like hanging out and like, I don't know, it's a fun way to like bring community together to just try to create magic together. (laughs) I think, I think that's everyone's introduction to uh, the music scene is either you get exposed via going to a show uh, at a bar or venue mm-hmm. or you get invited to a house party and something something for myself was just like I moved here when I was 18 so those first three years were all spent going to house shows just because I couldn't I didn't have the ID to be yeah. able to go out. <laughs> yeah, that's so, also a really so, good point. So yeah, I and I really love I love the fact that you know you and your you and you and your squad are still continuing that that intimate uh, mm-hmm. that feeling and and you know carrying it on or that now that and it's gotten a little more yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know it just kind of just gets better <laughs> what about you norris 
So, <clears throat> so I'm originally from New York. Uh, I'm from Queens. And uh, if you know anything about New York City and Queens, Queens is actually the most diverse county in the country. So growing up, you know, I saw everyone all the time. Um, when I moved here to the Bay Area about five years ago, uh, I kind of wanted that same community. I live in the Mission as well. But even with the Latino community here, they're all moving out, you know, because all the effects of gentrification, you know, the tech startups, you know, kind of kicking out the local residents, uh, making our rents go high, you know, go skyrocketing. So <clears throat> I think that kind of played into the community that I didn't find here. Um, I would go to the bars in the Castro, to Soma, and I actually did not find the community that I was looking for. Um, I'm, I'm a gay guy, Latino, and I love reggaeton. I like Caribbean beats. Uh, and that's actually what I was like looking for, you know? The Castro didn't have them. Or on certain nights, the Latin nights, you know, they would, t- they would probably play like... Uh, Suavemente kind of thing, Elvis Crespo. Again? Not, yeah. Right. <laughs> On repeat. <laughs> and then, you know, all the people in there would get their Latin fix and then back to, you know, top 40 kind of thing. Um, so what I did is I started looking for a venue that, you know, I actually liked. That's the other thing. I don't really like the venues here. I like the New York aesthetic. So there was always like, you know, the clean kind of aesthetic from New York. Um, but whatever. That was... I had to deal with that kind of thing. So I chose El Rio because I have this really beautiful patio in the back. And I love daytime parties, you know. <clears throat> the idea was to kind of have like a, if if you grew up in a Latino family, this might resonate with you or might resonate with other people where you have, you know, it's like the four-year-old's birthday, but it's really all the parents, all the like adults that, you know, the guys are in a corner with beard, talking about whatever, the women are together kind of thing. The kids are running around. Um, so I want to kind of create that, recreate that, you know, family community um, environment. Um, so Saturday date party, you know, would be the the, the right slot. <clears throat> um, yeah, so you know, I went out sc- uh, scouting, you know, a DJ. I knew I wanted the event to be in the mission because I thought it was really important to keep, you know, the mission, the mission, uh, people of color, uh, Latinoness. Um, uh, Rio is a queer bar, also, so there was a you know good synergy there. Um, I went out and, you know, did my homework, scouting, scouting uh, DJs. Um, and I, again, I wanted the DJs to be brown or black people uh, because that's really important to me. <clears throat> and I just personally think that that would probably be the best fit anyways. Um, so I scouted some DJs. I actually found some people who live down the street and they're from the mission. Um, they, the party is a queer Latino party. Latinx party, um, but the DJ wasn't necessarily a big component of like for them to be uh, queer. Um, it was more about community. So if there was any kind of tie-in or any kind of like overlap, that that's great because part of the the um, the purpose of the party is to build community, like you said, you know. So that's like bridging the hetero community and the queer community mm-hmm. together, building you know that we're here, we're Latinos, and we're not going to go anywhere. Uh, so I wanted to send that strong statement. Um, also, just the community that El Rio kind of just fosters is beautiful, you know, kind of thing. Everyone's been open. Um, everyone's receptive. Everyone's happy. Um, <clears throat> the first party was actually a nighttime party. And uh, and it was, you know, to test it out kind of thing. I think that, well, I'm actually going back to the nighttime model, the next one, uh, after Burning Man. Um, but the, and that's only because the elements, you know, rain this past year is like really bad rain so that also you know i 
myself included, I don't like the rain. So, <laughs> you know, if I don't like the rain and it's a daytime party outside, how am I going to, you know, get other people to do it? Uh, I know. Yes. I know oh, see, people turn out, you know, people turn out, people dance in the rain. It's California. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's a beautiful party. It's about building community. You know, the first night actually, saw, not that I know every Latino or any br- every brown person here, uh, but I definitely saw like a. You know, you know, you know me. I know, <laughs> I know some. I know some. I know many. Uh, not all. He's the only one. And so, um, you know, the first night I had people from San Jose come because because it wasn't. There wasn't anything like it, you know, kind of thing. So it was like just beautiful to see people just turn out. And I, I managed the Eventbrite page, which is how you know I sell my tickets. And all these people's names, you know, and I'm going, I cross check with Facebook. I'm like, who are these people? You know, kind of thing. But it was such a beautiful thing that the word got out. Mm-hmm. And I think the first uh, party we had like 600 people show up. Um, and and at night, you know, it's a different vibe because people. It's a, you know, you go to work, if you work during the day, you go home, you get ready for the night, and that's like your trip, right, kind of thing. Uh, so it's a special event. The The other thing that I've learned from the like, day parties, though, is like, you know, it's a day party, so it's a little more chill. Some people actually still work during the day also, so... Um, so yeah, I forgot what the question was. Uh, <laughs> but those, you know, that, those are the elements um, that, I fa- that I found really important to bring to the party. Um, my day job, uh, I work in fundraising uh, for a local nonprofit. <clears throat> so the other aspect that I brought into this was, you know, building community amongst people, yes, but also um, kind of bringing in a nonprofit as a partner, um, a to elevate elevate their, you know, bring awareness to their cause, but also a portion of their uh, of the proceeds that we receive at the door actually go back to the community that way as a donation to the organization. Um, and that just that piece was just kind of like a natural thing, just because it was like I ask people for money all the time during during the day uh, for my day job. Um, you know, I should also be giving back to the community and set an example for others, kind of thing. It kind of reminds me of what you were what you were saying earlier about. Um the with the text moving in you know um what i've noticed over the years is that the prices yes are going up and all these things are are are, are changing uh, especially like with the culture of san francisco and i wanted to just ask you all this question you know how do you stay positive during the highs and lows of 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 organizing an event you know, you have one moment where you have 600 people show up and then you have another moment where only 50 or maybe even 10 people just show up. So how do, how do uh, each of you uh, kind of handle those situations? Well, to comment on the idea of techies, it, it's, an, it's an unfair blame that we are making to the, on these individuals because when I moved to San Francisco in, 90, in 1996, I was accused of gen- being a gender fire. I don't work in tech. I never worked in tech. But I was accused of being the new generation in San Francisco that was willing to pay these prices. I'll never forget, <clears throat> there was a coworker that I had, <clears throat> and he said to me, and he looked me right in the eye and pointed at me, and he says, because of people like you, and he was a man of color, it was people like you, is the reason why I can't live here anymore. He said, I grew up in these houses. He says, either we refuse to pay them or we can't pay them. And it took me years to understand that, 
to understand what that meant. Years. It was one of those things that, it was a message that someone said to me that floated in my head over and over and over again. And when I really started to feel and see the effects of change in the city, just basically a new generation, that's all it really is. It's a new generation. I was that generation that moved in in the mid-90s. Now, that was 25 years ago. Now it's a new generation. You know, it's the same blame. <laughs> but, and like I said, I, and, 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 and it's unfair because these folks are just seeking out a job like each and every one of us. And, and I, I had to really assess that because when I started blaming these anonymous people, I said, wait a minute, someone said that to me. I'm a black man. I'm a gay black man. I've never had a, a, a six-figure job, ever. Ever, ever, ever. And particularly being in San Francisco, my income has always been considered below poverty because of our high, high standard of financial living here. So it's really interesting. It's just this recycling of, of blaming people where it's not the techies, per se. It's these property owners. How can a tech increase someone that works in any kind of job and um, influence someone's, the price of rent. No one owns anything. It's, it's the landlords. I mean, so it's the people that own this property that say, oh, wow, there's a techie. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to increase it 90%. Or, or, oh, a majority of the people that are moving into San Francisco. So I, I'm, I've grown tired of that argument. But in the meantime, how can we criticize this very group of people that are creating this innovation, yet we can't live without these things in our hand? Let, let Instagram go down for one second. It, let Facebook. It has. Yeah, 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 exactly. Facebook, too. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, let, let, them, let, it go off, let it go offline for one second. People don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to get a date. They don't know how to shop. They don't know where they are. They can't communicate with a friend. They can't find out what's happening, what's hot. They can't state their opinions. So let it go away, and we'll see how valuable these people are that we so-called criticize every day, because I have grown tired of that argument, of hating these people, these anonymous people, because it's the same thing as someone saying, I hate black people. It's something that we can say out loud and be proud of, I hate techies, but what if someone said, I hate Latinos, I hate women, I hate gay men, all of a sudden, let's, walk, let's, let's burn torches in the middle of the street, so... I, the I'm, guy in I'm, the White House is, you know, pretty darn close to that. Well, you know, it's and and from a historical point of view, since I've been alive, I've always been criticized of being a black man. So just seeing it again, it's no big deal. I've heard this my whole life. I'm 54 years old. This I've heard this rhetoric when I was 10. I I read about historical, any kind of historical analysis about any society anywhere around the world. This has always happened. It's just new for us because this is where we are today. But hatred has always been part of our existence. It's unfortunate in regards of who's in the White House, who's in control. Again, just read any history book about any civilization at any time on this earth, and it was always somebody oppressing someone for some reason or another. doesn't matter if it was money or fame or, or status. So um, in many regards, we're all hypocrites because I haven't seen anyone yet Try to navigate this this modern world without this thing in their hand. <laughs> currently, currently using one as we do yeah, this podcast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I just I, we, it's 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 time to evolve and stop blaming a group of people because that's how it all starts. 
And, and, and like I said, if I was to dare stand up and say loud and proud, I hate someone online or in person, I, I would expect someone to put me in check and say, wait a minute, how can you just hate a whole group? Um, because it's, it's, it's an unfair assessment. Well, I, I wanted to jump in because I think that it's not necessarily, yes, we throw out the word techie, you know, the, the, for me, it's, while they might not be real estate, you know, the, what do you call it? The speculators or whatever kind of thing, the property owners, they still have power though. And they're actually imposing their, you know, their salaries are an example of power. Their money can go back to the community, which doesn't, um, so they can reinvest that money. You know, to know their place in the community is very different than to just come and sit and then, you know, go to their happy hours and be part of that ecosystem. To actually be like an active, you know, uh, engaged in the community to live in is a very different thing. And so I think that's where the, the friction comes in because, you know, my neighbors, my new neighbors, I think I'm probably the, the newest, the, the oldest new neighbor in my building. Um, because they like regutted. <laughs> they, Rewind. So they, my apartment is the the first regutted apartment in in that uh, building, and so I can blend in because you know they're Latino families in there kind of thing. But they know I'm a little different, you know, kind of thing. I'm a newbie, you know, kind of thing. You wear crowns on your head, right? <laughs> Every day, um, and you know I have other neighbors too that came in after me that are in that world, in the tech world. And, you know, they go to the shuttle, they come to their apartment. I've seen them just like walk past, well, they've walked past me. Um, I don't take it personal, but you know, like that acknowledgement, that simple acknowledgement of a neighbor in that community, as opposed to like walking in and out and shutting your door. Some people have like the, um, like the ring system in, in the building when we already have surveillance. So those little things are like the, the friction points kind of thing, because they're actually not doing anything to better the community. Today, I actually just saw this um, this pamphlet that says "Better Neighborhoods, Same Neighbors," you know, kind of thing, and that w- that stood out so you know so so much to me because that's the excuse that we have been using for so many years. Oh, we're just bettering the neighborhood, or the neighborhood is, at least is better right now than it was X amount of years ago, um, and that can happen. Obviously, you know, this brochure uh, shared that like. Uh, safe or better neighborhoods, same neighbors, you know, kind of thing. So that's the piece that, you know, I would kind of, that's what sticks out to me in terms of like the tech, saying techies. I know it's, it is an umbrella term. Um, but people say that about the Latinos, about the blacks, about the Jews. It's all been said before. I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing. Um, as a man of color, grown up in an American, I've heard that my whole life, that there's always something wrong with us. That's still always the narrative. So it's it's, and and in many regards, I mean, people have to do what they have to do with their time. It's it's no obligation for anyone to take care of anyone, in many regards. And I have a friend that grew up in this neighborhood, and his family is from Nicaragua. And he told me, if he never steps in the mission again, it's okay with him. He has no warm memories of growing up in the mission in the seventies and eighties. None. He says it was torture, it was hell, it was dark. People just destroyed each other, and it was Latinos against the Latinos. And he's a man of color, and he said this to me. He says, so, he says, as far as I'm concerned, he said, I grew up in this very neighborhood. He comes to visit me every now and then, but he, he just says, if I never step here again, 
it's okay. So it's, it's, it's a romancing as well that it was better then. And I've been here for 25 years in this very neighborhood, and I've watched it change. And there are some things that are better because there were some streets or buildings that were dormant for literally 10 years, 15 years, just falling apart. And again, I went through that anger and that blame, but I realized <laughs> all it was doing is taking away years of my life. <laughs> That's all it was. It was hurting my heart, putting stress, screwing up my outlook, my, perce- my perception of myself and my community. And I had to change my attitude about that because I was the only one hurting myself. It, it, regardless of what was going on, the realities of and one thing about being in a city like San Francisco, you, you see all these realities all the time, and they're very difficult to tolerate because it's just so many ways of being in life that it's not possible to love it all, appreciate it all, respect it all. It's too much. I, I, one of the things I can say being here for six months, I've met more of my neighbors in the last 25 years. I met more of my neighbors in the last six months having my door open. Who has their door open? Who? <laughs> I'm just saying, but I'm just saying, I have yeah. my door wide yeah. open. I do. I've met more of my neighbors, <laughs> oh, yeah. neighbors in the last six months than I've met in the last 25 years living in this very neighborhood, this 94110. And I would say that that's an example of what I was you know, saying, leaving the door open, being open to meeting new people. But if you just, you just arrived in this unit and you, you know, you have a beautiful space here, right? And it's very inviting and you're very welcoming and inviting. But if, as a newbie, and maybe that, that would be a better term, I don't know. But as a newbie, if you just come in and, you know, set up shop, I know it's not your responsibility sure. to, like, befriend everyone in the world. But I think that, you know, that, that allows for more communication, like the building of a community, as opposed to that friction that I was speaking to, kind of thing. Well, to answer your question, and not to dumb, <laughs> <laughs> well, because that all, that all plays into it. Because you ask, how do you deal with the highs and lows? Yeah. And it was a time that I was walking through this very neighborhood frustrated. And like I said, angry and pissed off and wondering where is a place for me. But then I, I really just had to think globally in my own mind that this is nothing new. It really isn't. You, you talk to queers in the night that grew up in San Francisco in the 1970s. They couldn't even go to a bar without being persecuted by the San Francisco Police Department, not even uh, someone from another department or, or another city. It was the establishment of the city. They were bopping people's head and, and shooting and, and arresting people for just kissing someone. Um, and I know many of those individuals that grew up in this, that came here in the 70s, and the harassment of the, what the city caused the, the individuals, the harassment. That, and that was policy. That was a law. That was on paper. That was an institution we're not talking about just interacting, someone ignoring you on the street. That was an institutional policy that was enforced by this city. People got arrested. So how do I deal with all of this? And how do I keep myself maintained and focused and open-minded? It's just to really step back and remind myself it's not just this moment. And that's one of the privileges of being older. I have 54 years of reference. And I read, I listen. I contemplate, and when I have my lows, I'm able to thrive in my lows. I appreciate being low sometimes. I appreciate not knowing what's next. I don't always need to be in control of myself. I, I allow my, my feelings to be what they are. 
But when I have enough of it, I say, okay, it's time to create. So creativity is really my true solution to all of my woes, all of my confusion, all of my misunderstandings is to create. And when I create, I am the best Lamont that I can be. I don't care if you're a techie as long as you come to my shows. <laughs> Support local music. <laughs> Keep my phone as going as so that I can't pay my the $10 door fee and uh, support your It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> those, are my, those are my techie friends. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, um, so, you guys all touched, you, are, you all touched on this that in a way, you're making a, a societal change within the, within the culture here in San Francisco and Oakland. Um, I, w- I want to just, so the question, the question now is, is there a difficulty, um, putting together, uh, well, let me start over. So between, between the, for the Bay area it's it's, you have this multitude of like, of different cultures. You have Chinese, you have Chinese people, you have Japanese people, uh, you have black people, you have Latino people. And then you have like these cities that are literally 11 miles apart. Yet the art and the cultures that are both there are vastly different. So how do you go about organizing? Well, especially for you, Norris, because you're here specifically in San Francisco. I'm out of here specifically in Oakland. So how do you guys go about organizing shows and pulling in the bands to, or, or the musicians or whomever to be a part of your, a part of your, uh, your event and, um, you know, make sure that they're hitting, uh, the message that you're trying to bring home. I think that, uh, part of, um, like for, throwing shows or um, having like local music. I mean, what, like 11, that's like from San Francisco to Oakland. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, it is different. And, um, and, and it's funny. We were just talking about this before uh, we started about how like people on like either side of the bridge don't really cross the bridge that much. And it's kind of um, funny. So, uh, and it's totally true. And, and whenever I see my San Francisco friends out in Oakland, I'm like, oh my gosh, hi, <laughs> different person. Like, who are you? <laughs> I don't, do I know you? Um, and, and it's really cool to bridge that gap. And I, and I think it's kind of like, you know, I want to keep things local. And a lot of times that means like a lot of like Oakland based artists, but it also means like bringing all your, like your, the bands from like San Francisco over to Oakland. And, and even so far as to like, from like Sonoma or like even a little bit more north in Oregon. Um, I had Bart Budwig from, um, from Enterprise Oregon come uh, play the first living room session that I did. And uh, having people who, who touch other people on their tours, you know, and that kind of, I think that partly kind of bridges like the artist community, like a shared love of like specific, artists that travel all over the place that's kind of like helpful um but also like collaborating with other um with other like labels with other um collectives and just like a lot of like collaboration i think is really helpful um in bridging that gap 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a, a little bit more different. I feel like out in like West Oakland, we're like sometimes I feel like we're a little bit like freakier, or like, <laughs> <laughs> or like you know, or like we, I don't know. It's like uh, we're in these like really shitty warehouses and um, making really beautiful things happen in them. Yeah. And I don't know. I think a lot of people from San Francisco are also kind of coming towards Oakland a little bit more because they're we're basically at like the same price range, I think. But I still think Oakland tends to be like a little bit cheaper still. And so I think a lot of like people out of San, if we're talking about like gentrification and stuff, I think that like people in San Francisco and like the outer like Bay Area kind of like start coming towards Oakland more, um, just like for because they're getting pushed out of San Francisco. Um, and then, you know, I, I feel like that trend is just going to keep kind of moving and it's going to be interesting to kind of see where that goes when like no one can afford to be here anymore and they like, you know, shut down all the like warehouses and, you know, um, ghost ship was a big deal and, uh, and yeah, it was a really big deal and it's, um, affected a lot of, um, warehouses around Oakland specifically that, um, were nearby. So the bad seed was, is like out of a a West Oakland warehouse and um, they've been, they've been threatened with eviction for like the past like year at least. Like, and it's just been, it's like a matter of time and we're kind of just like seeing what's going to happen. But um, I don't know. That's that's what I got. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't really taken the risk to try to, get both crowds together kind of thing. If people from Oakland want to come to the daytime you know, party here, that's great. I also <laughs> don't want to step on anyone's toes in Oakland because there is a full, rich, you know, POC community over there. Yeah. Um, and for me to just like, hey, I'm here, come to, you know, and then just find a venue, I, I, I personally wouldn't feel good about that. Totally. Um, uh, I prefer more, you know, organic stuff like you, what you're doing in, uh, with the Living Room series or... If you know there's a queer bar over there and they have a, a party, or they have um, they have different parties in Oakland, kind mm-hmm. of thing, and I think that people who you know might have some connection to San Francisco and they had to like move to Oakland, most likely they will come back if they still have that connection. But once they're over there, you know they will be part of that community and go to those events. Um, the like I was saying, the nighttime party is a different situation because people make a night of it, you know, kind of thing. So they get, you know, they put their cha-cha heels on and <laughs> they come on over. Like I said, they came from San Jose. You know, people came from Oakland, even though Oakland's right there. Um, <laughs> it feels so far away. Yeah, but people, yeah, but people. <laughs> it's just the logistics, though. Yeah, yeah. It can take yeah. an hour to go 11 yeah. miles. <laughs> do you want to invest that in your time being stuck on a bridge? Right. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, so I haven't really taken that risk. Um, in terms of artists, though, um, the same thing. I, they, you know, Oakland has some artists. If they've expressed interest in coming to Susia uh, here in San Francisco, then great, you know, kind of thing. I don't like managing any of that. Um, usually there's like one or two acts, including uh, drag queens or kings, and that kind of just, they do their thing, and it's a rap kind of thing. Um, but I do think that, you know, has to, for, for me at least, this process has to be organic. Um, I think that the same thing, like if I were to go back to New York, I know where to go in New York kind of thing to get that fix that I, that I want kind of thing. I wouldn't build a new party just because, you know, I had one over here kind of thing. I think 
for Burning Man, uh, I did take that risk because last year when I went, I didn't see that. You know, I didn't see any Latino. I didn't hear any Latino music. Uh, I mean, it's a huge kind of thing. Um, it is so, quite big. So building that community, you know, and the feedback that I've gotten so far uh, through social media has been great. <clears throat> so I know that there is a need there. Um, and, you know, Burning Man is a white privileged kind of event kind of thing. So we'll see how it goes this time. You know, I want to see the impact. I want to see people's faces, enjoying themselves kind of thing. Um, and if it's a hit, I'll do it again, you know, because I feel like there, there would be a need. I just saw a ticket on uh, the Burning Man website last night. It was like about $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I did want to add like one more thing uh, okay. while we're talking about this that I um talking about like organic um crossing of like if we're talking specifically Oakland and San Francisco. Um one thing that I did do with the second living room session is um uh, on the topic of like collaboration um it's really cool because the living room sessions is kind of mobile because in just like bringing shows to people's living rooms. So, like, it was really easy for me to be like, I need a venue, somebody help. And um, our mutual friend Jules, um, shout out to Jules, they're awesome. (laughs) Um, Jules uh, had this killer space at Space 360 out, like, on Fifth Avenue. Um, And had this, like, living room with an actual stage in it. And it was just, like, so perfect. And it worked out really well, and we kind of cooperated that way. So people from like, Oakland who are used to like the, the shows that I throw um, are, and the people that come to Jules, uh, their shows, like the garden sessions, that's like their thing. Um, we kind of just like bridged the gap in that way, and it was so cool. It was, it's like it's very cool to do stuff like that. Cool. It is, yeah. and and I think and I think that's uh, collaboration is like one of the biggest things, and mm-hmm. that's like literally going to be the segue into my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the importance of collaboration to the, each individual one, like to everyone here? Like, what 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 does that mean for you? How do you go about it? Uh, let's start it. Let's start it like this. How do you go about uh, seeking collabor- uh, collaborators? And then, what what does that importance to collaborate mean for you? It starts with vision. I, I have to see. I have to see something. So the idea is vision is the first. And then collaboration is opportunity. The idea of once I see who or what entity I want to be part of or, and share our, our efforts, then, then it creates an opportunity for people to either cross the bridge or cross the neighborhood or cross the block for me to it's an invitation for me to cross over or meet halfway. So I think uh, it's vision and opportunity because I, I, when I think about when things are, doesn't seem to be going well, I step back for a moment and just say, this city is a flowing fountain of opportunity. There's never not an opportunity available. And the idea is that I have to have the vision to make that fruition happen. I think about one of the uh, meetings that I went to, and our current mayor, London Breed, spoke, and she was speaking to a group of youth, and she said, there's no reason for any one of you in this room not to be enjoying the growth and the opportunity of this city. 
because it's happening on every level from the grandest to the most minute, small, neighborhoodish. And the idea is being able to see that vision and also to create the opportunity. So that's how I, um, just creating the space, the vision that I had behind creating the space, I knew that it would create opportunity and opportunity beyond my own vision because people walk in the door. That's how I met Norris. It was, we were setting up an event. He saw us, mm-hmm. we saw him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, again, the vision of being in a public environment. And uh, one of the interesting things, you know, we partake with Sunday streets here in San Francisco and, you know, they set up in 12 different neighborhoods throughout a five-month period. And it gives me the opportunity to go into neighborhoods that I normally don't have the time to go. I used to go to Oakland a lot. I, I, I just don't have the bandwidth to do that anymore. It takes a lot of time. You don't have an hour and a half to get there? <laughs> no, I don't. Not, no, I don't when I, can, when I can create it right here. No, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I totally understand. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I think about... Time, and that's the one asset that we all mm-hmm. um, cannot redeposit. You know, once time, once this day is done, this day is done. And um, what you, what anyone has done with it, is up to the individual. So yeah, I really have to think about uh, time. How much time if it's going to take me? I'm invited to do events in Oakland, but those are one-off events. If it's a weekly event, I'm not interested because I don't want to spend six hours trying to go to Oakland and back because it will take six hours to do an event or teach a class. But if it's a one-off, yes. So vision and opportunity, back to vision. I have to see it. Once I see it, then I, I, I create the opportunity. And that can just be a phone call or a walk-in or email or text. And my, my assistant and I, that's what we do. We we brainstorm and like, well, who do we want to collaborate to fulfill our mission here in the mission um, of this space? For this, this last um, Susia was actually a collaboration with uh, the South Asian community. Uh, so it was a Bollywood fusion Susia. Uh, so it was beautiful brown people everywhere. Um, and I had gone to an event at Strut, which is a local uh, health clinic here. And um, <clears throat> South Asian community was having some kind of celebration. They had performers kind of thing. And I was like, wow, like, this, it feels so great to be in this space. You know, everyone's celebrating, everyone's dancing, everyone's part of the community that way. Um, and I think that was like their first like, semi-fundraiser. It was a very soft fundraiser. Um, they've been made like a couple hundred bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, this is an opportunity, you know, for me, like me to, you know, host them at Susia, use my resources, uh, and see what we can do, you know, kind of thing. Um, so for me, it's kind of like random that way. But as soon as like I see something, it's like, okay, connect the dots. Okay, how much time do I have? What's the reality of this kind of thing? Uh, and then when we are collaborating, I do expect 100% of everyone to chip in. Um, because that's, how, that's what I think, you know, actually. And, and that could be in many ways, right? That can be uh, communicating that you can't do this. So delegating, you know, kind of thing. So all those aspects of things. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's just, like, random. I see a vision, and I have time to do that. Like, let's make it happen kind of thing. I've had a feeling recently um, about about teamwork and community and collaboration. And um, generally, we live, 
we live in a capitalist society. <laughs> um, and I feel like that means like a lot of like competition and competition sometimes is like positive, but a lot of times it feels really like negative. And um, it's like a people kind of just like having to be the best and like doing, and I just, it feels exhausting and it doesn't feel good to me. And in, and I want to bring like a different feeling to, to the things that I do where like, I want to be like intentional with like supporting other people who are doing the exact same thing I'm doing or people, other artists or other, like I want people to feel uplifted and like we can all like, like support each other and like collaborate with each other. And it's like not a competition. It's like, we're all in this together. We're all here for like this, like one purpose of, of like, keeping the like music scene alive and like the underground music scene like we're here for like the same purpose and I just think that like trying to make it like some kind of like competition or or it just it it ruins the whole thing (laughs) just ruins the whole thing and um I yeah so I I feel I, I love collaboration I love helping out people and and I love when people want to help me, and I just think it's amazing. Like I love collaborating with Jules, and um, you know, Jules did, is uh, going to do sound for the next session, and um, they they're just they're like master collaborator. They're collaborating with like everybody on all sorts of things all the time, and I just think it's so cool. And um, there's um, you know collaborations with like the the radio stations or. Um, uh, Honey House, which is the a San Francisco based um, record label, who um, they they're like a record label, but also like they're just a community of like artists and um, musicians, and it's just like it's just amazing, and it's amazing to collaborate. And they um, like their photographer um, Elsa, uh, she she does their marketing and also like photographs for them and we did um with the bad season when i was working with them um we did a prom show at eli's mile high club in oakland um it was so much fun so the blank tape like, played that is my bar yeah eli's <laughs> is like so cool uh, <laughs> yeah oakland eli's is like oakland's little like gem it's, it's gem on, yeah, yeah yeah little you know anyways <laughs> eli's um we did this like prom show there and then um Elsa came and was doing prom photos, which is so cool. Yeah, and you know that those kind of collaborations happen all the time. And we have like artists on their label like come do and doing um, shows with us, like Caravan Two Two Two, Marmaladies, etc. Like uh, it's it's just really cool. And um, recently, and it kind of like an organic collaboration that's kind of happened is the first band that I had play the first living room session I did. Um, they are Kit Center and the Hollow Bones, um, and they are on the Long Road Society record label, which is out of Oakland. It's like very local. They people approach them from like Colorado and stuff about uh, yeah about like being on their label. And um, Lisa Bazzino is in charge of it, and she is um, like curation queen. Like <laughs> so there, you know, there's so many wonderful artists out there, but she has like a very specific vision um, about what that looks like anyways so kid center comes and plays and this is the first time i meet them kit lisa um all the long road society people and um they were really they had a such a fun time playing and like we're kind of impressed with like the show 
um, and like the kind of vision and attention uh, that they, um, I started helping out with them on their label and it's been really, really fun. Like I started helping out um, just like doing clerical stuff, like boxing and shipping records for like Don Writing's new album and like just doing little stuff like that and just helping them out so much. And, um, and our kind of almost organic thing that happened was, um, I had a venue for the next show that I'm doing, um, kind of drop. It was, it, we had an issue with it and I had to find a new venue really fast. And, um, Lisa, um, from the long road does this monthly show every month for the past two years. She's been doing um, this uh, event at the Starline Social Club in Oakland called um, Run With The Moon. And it is a show that features two artists um, every full moon every month for the past two years, which is like so insane to do something for like two years. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, it's a free show. And um, she has been so like kind of like doing so much for the label that she was like, maybe you can bring like your lineup to like the run with the moon. Like maybe you can just bring it here and we can do like a long road and living room session collaboration. And I thought that was really cool um, that she even like thought of that. And um, it didn't like end up working out, but it would kind of was like felt like really organic that like I needed a venue and, and I work with her and she had this like need and it kind of was just like, wow, this would be like really cool. And I would be like a guest curator or something. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I love working together with people and like, I just, I just think it's so cool. It's so much fun when everyone's just like uplifting each other and like wanting to like help each other out. I just feel like it creates such a more, much more positive feeling and um, intention in the community. So. So my final question is for, for you all. And it's just like for, for all the listeners and whatnot, what is one key takeaway from just building your community that you would uh, pass pass that information on to someone else? Just one key takeaway. Well, when I started Finger Snaps 20 years ago, my model, I had multiple models that I, um, that shaped what I was doing. And my simple model was, to work for no one, but to work with everyone. I, I, based on all the negative treatment that I've experienced as being a man of color, a queer man, a, a gay man, I'll just say a gay man, and uh, that just happens from moment to moment where I can get slapped in the face and kissed at the same time. And my goal now is to somewhat rise above all of this and be more than just these identities that we give ourselves. Because I, I feel in many regards, from my experience, too much micro-identity leaves people isolated and people are crazy, afraid to cross the line because of they're all trying to protect their own identified self, whatever that group is. But in the meantime, so many people are looking to connect. They're looking for connection. And maybe the person that they're looking at doesn't look like them, sound like them, come where they you know, have the same background, but there's uh, another common interest, and the common interest is connection. So my goal here at Fingersnaps is to 
is to welcome everyone and to be challenged by them because I'm challenged by everyone that walks in the door. Everyone's not the friendliest and it helps me work on my own levels of judgment and my own internal criticism of how I feel about people. And 99% of the time, I learn something more about myself than what I think I know about myself because the embracing of the general public that I encounter on a daily basis here. So my community is the human population. It, it really is. It's the human population. And that's where I get most of my inspiration. I've traveled the world, and people are generally all the same. Um, so that's, that's what Fingal Snaps is about. It's about embracing whomever is interested in learning how to DJ. My goal, my job, my challenge is to teach you. <laughs> that's it. Period. Um, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> it's everything I feel like is kind of like a lot of things have kind of come to a head for me really recently. So I'm kind of just like, I don't know. It, it's feeling a lot more real. I guess if you could give your younger or you're pretty young still, but you're even, <laughs> even, even, even younger self. <laughs> If you could give your younger self advice on, yeah. on on what you're on what you're currently doing, just being like, what would you what would, what would your yeah. words be? Um, I would tell my younger self um, to like stick to your vision that you that you have, and and like just don't don't let anyone tell you that it's like. I feel, I feel so cheesy. Like, don't let anyone tell you, like, you can't do it because you can, Maddie. Well, it's true because those things can get stuck it in your really, head and you won't like, do anything. I know. And there's like, <laughs> so I, it is. It's not cheesy. It's real. I know. It's and so it's, easy to say no. I know. So recently, I've just kind of, like, decided that it's, like, my vision. My vision is, like, I, I want to be able to con- control the whole thing and, like, make it exactly how I want it. And it's not hard. And I keep doing it. And it's always fun. And it hasn't really been that stressful. And I'm just like hoping that it keeps happening like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not like ignorant to that. It won't, but, um, I, I want to, the long road kind of has something that's my takeaway. I would probably give away, give to my, my, um, my younger me, um, (laughs) uh, that, you know, you kind of, you just want to take the long road. Like, even if it's like not going to like get you there faster or anything, just like, stick with like your vision and what you want to do. And like, you can totally do, you could literally do anything you want. So, um, yeah. (laughs) If you think for me, so I'm sort of a type a, um, and so, you know, there's a nice reminder to like stick to your vision. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I feel like for me, it's kind of the opposite, like have, well, or have a vision, Mm-hmm. But then the way to get to that vision can be fluid. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be like this way, the, yeah. the Norris way. Yeah, you know, two days ago it could change. You know, yeah, thing. totally. So um, that and to like take risks. Um, I'm switching up. I'm going to do a plug. October 13th, Susia at Jolene's. Um, so I went from you know daytime party. I went from daytime party to uh, a nighttime party, and it's a different venue. Uh, it's a new spot in the mission, so I'm going to try it out. I'm actually going to fly out one of my buddies in New York who's a DJ. 
so that's like another risk, right? Um, new crowd for them in San Francisco. He's great, but no one really knows him here. So we'll figure that out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Keep going. Uh, but then, you know, going back to Stick to the Vision, like, mm-hmm. what is this? What is Susie about? And Susie is about creating community that way. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for this amazing talk. Um, if you thank want you. to, <laughs> uh, go ahead, take this moment, shout out your socials, where, where people can find you, how do they get in contact with you. This is your, this is your time to shine. On KXSF 102.5, um, I'm going to be doing a radio show. Um, it's going to be uh, all local music. Um some of my favorite local musicians uh, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I'm going to have a show on Sundays, um, 12 to two. Um, and my start date is hopefully September 1st um, on KXSF 102.5. Um, I also, the, if you want to go on Facebook and look up the living room sessions, it's one in Oakland. There's like another one and it has a sparkly picture on the, <laughs> As the, the little photo. Um, the living room sessions we have the next show is on September 13th. It is Friday the 13th. It is also a full moon. And <laughs> um, two yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. So it's Friday the 13th and um, on a full moon. And uh, Kira from, uh, formerly from Kira and the Lesbians, is going to be headlining. We have um, Kira's from LA and Inea Lujan from uh, Pueblo, Colorado, is going to come on his album release tour as well as uh, Lalin St. Juice. I hope I said that right. Um, from Oakland's band The Session is going to be coming. Uh, they're all playing a stripped-down solo set. It's going to be really magical and beautiful. Um, that will be at a house in South Berkeley. So go to the Living Room Sessions on Facebook and um, follow the event page because we will post that address um, a couple of days before the show. Uh, but the next party is uh, October 13th, uh, which is a Sunday. It will be a three-day weekend for a lot of people, uh, Indigenous People's Weekend. Um, so it's that Sunday. It starts at 9. It'll go till 2. Uh, we have DJ Gecko Jones, uh, who's my friend from uh, New York. He'll be here visiting from New York. Um, and it'll be at Jolene's. And our Instagram and uh, the Facebook uh, tag name is Susia, S-U-C-I-A. S-F-A-F. Wonderful. My name is DJ Lamont once again, and I am the uh, master mixer of Finger Snaps Media Arts in the Heart and Soul of the Mission District. And we teach DJ lessons here. We teach DJ lessons from the traditional format of understanding music, and we apply it to the technology, either turntablism and the newer technology, such as CDJs, controllers, DJ apps, Finger Snap's purpose is to inspire and to educate people about the industry so that they can be a sustaining artists. That's the purpose of Finger Snaps, is the educational, intellectual side of the music industry. Because I want people to be able to navigate and to negotiate and to be able to make a living at this passion that drives them to be the artists that they are. Fingersnaps.net. 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 If you like what you just heard, please share with your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to our sponsor, Fingersnaps. 
That's even where we recorded today's episode. Remember to go visit the Fingersnaps Media Art Center in the heart of the mission at 20th and Valencia. You can find Lamont on social at what? Fingersnaps.net. Be sure to check us out at zealous.com to listen to our archive and visit us on social media at Zealous Music and Four Bridges Podcast. This has been a Zealous Production. Join us next time. My name is DJ Lamont, and I am a long-term resident of the Mission District San Francisco for 24 years. And my business, which is on 20th and Mission Street, the address is 3527 20th Street between, again, Mission and Valencia. And Finger Snaps is a DJ studio. A DJ studio is a place where individuals can come and learn to DJ from the traditions of turntablism to CDJs, DJ controllers, naturally well-lit room in the heart of the mission. And it's a wonderful place for people to come and to dove into the art of learning how to DJ. My website is fingersnaps.net, fingersnaps.net, fingersnaps.net. You can just find me on any uh, search engines. Just type in fingersnaps.net. Media Arts.